Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome in the sports tonight. I'm joined by college football analyst Mike Lowe uh, with the site. Thank you for joining us, Mike. How are we doing? All right. How's it going, Chris? How's it going, everybody? It's uh, football time. It is football time. Got a first uh, taste of the college season this past weekend. Gets more into uh, going this weekend. Excited for that. Let's start with uh, Georgia. Obviously, the defending two-time defending national champs, probably the prohibitive favorite nationally and again in the SEC East. Uh, but you had Tennessee 11th overall in your preseason top 12. So my question to you, how good are the Vols? And what's the biggest question for Tennessee as the year begins? Uh, well, I think uh, the volunteers are pretty good. Um, I would think a double-digit win season is very much in reach for them. Um, you know, they they were terrific last season, had a big breakout Um and Josh Heupel has just uh, really done a terrific job in there, especially when you consider the situation that he took over in after the Jeremy Pruitt scandal. And you had like uh, 25 guys hit the transfer portal. So he, he had to rebuild that roster and, uh, you know, got him to a bowl game his first year. And then uh, last season they were cruising. Um, you know, they got stomped pretty good by Georgia, uh, but we're still kind of in line to make a playoff. And then they go to South Carolina and something happened and they just got obliterated uh, 63 to, I think, 28 was the final score. Just a crazy game. And so obviously they got to avoid something like that again. Uh, But they do have a tougher schedule this year, too. Um, You know, they got to this time they have to go to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. They do get Georgia at home. Um, You know, for me, I think about like last year, 10 and two, you know, maybe if injuries are rough, nine and three, I think the big question for them obviously is going to be quarterback. Uh, We got a little bit of a preview of Joe Milton when he had to take over for Hendon Hooker last season. Hooker got, uh, he tore his ACL in that weird South Carolina game. Um, So, you know, it'll always come down to quarterbacking. They've got some receivers they got to replace. They lost uh, Jalen Hyatt. Um, you know, their deep threat guy, Cedric Tillman, but you know, they got some guys still brew McCoy who actually transferred in last season from USC. And then they picked up Dante Thornton from Oregon. Um, I think they got some receiving weapons still, so it'll, it'll just be all about Joe Milton. Uh, he's got the physical tools, real strong arm guy. So he is perfect for that offense that, you know, really likes to, uh, you know, test teams downfield, they'll open the top uh, on the defense. So, um, yeah, it's just about how good and consistent Joe Milton can be. Their defense, it is what it is. It's not bad when you consider what an up-tempo offense they run. Um, You know, that tends to be rough on the defense. Uh, You know, they weren't terrible last year. But, again, uh, I go back to that South Carolina game. You can't be giving up 63 points to, uh, you know, the likes of South Carolina, who's not a bad team. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong there. But you you can't do that and think you're going to win. Let's jump to the ACC where they've gotten rid of the divisions. Uh, Florida State and Clemson seem like the class of the conference. 
Clearly. Which squad is a uh, better position to reach the playoffs? Um, you know, I'm going to lean just a little bit Clemson. And I actually think that uh, you know Florida State has a little bit more uh, complete roster, more experienced roster. But I'm leaning Clemson based on their schedule. I, I think their schedule is a little bit more friendlier. Uh, for starters, Florida State's got that rough opener on um, – this Sunday night uh, against LSU. Um, you know, we'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, you know, that's a tough way to open the season. I know they won that game last year when they played in new Orleans and uh, this year they'll be playing in Orlando and I'll be interested to see, um, of course, you know, uh, we got hurricane Adelia. That's kind of barren right down on Tallahassee right now. And I haven't got on Twitter to see how this might be affecting their preparations for this game, but you got to think there's going to be some impact there. So I'll be curious to see, uh, you know, what happens there if they get a little thrown off their schedule. Uh, But that's just really a tough game to open with. And then when the Florida State and Clemson, they go head to head, it's in Clemson this year. And uh, the Tigers are just always tough at home. Uh, You know, Tigers, they get Florida State at home. Their other tough game, probably toughest game will be Notre Dame. But they, again, they get them in Clemson. So I think the schedule's just a little bit friendlier for the Tigers. Now, if they get a rematch in the ACC championship game, then, you know, that's on a neutral site. Uh, so that evens it out. I might even lean Florida state in that game. Problem is I think the Seminoles might actually already have two losses by then and kind of be eliminated from playoff contention, but I would not be at all surprised if they end up, uh, you know, beating Clemson in a rematch and knock the Tigers out of a playoff. That's kind of how I could see that going. Uh, going to the big 10 in the East, you get three teams, Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state in your overall top 12, for you, what separates these squads going into the year uh, and uh, staying in the Big Ten? Who do you like in the West? So, uh, once again, you know, this is kind of a common theme, and uh, especially at the, you know, before the season starts, we don't really know these teams that well yet. And so, for me, it all comes down to quarterbacking again. Um, you know, if you read my poll, I got Michigan number one, ahead of Georgia even. And what separates them is uh, quarterbacking. J.J. McCarthy, uh, he returns again. Um, you know, they're pretty stacked. Uh, actually, all three of these teams are stacked. Um, you know, just talent everywhere. And really, there's not much that separates them. But I'm giving the edge to Michigan just because we know how good J.J. McCarthy is. Um, Ohio State, they had a bit of a battle, and it was only literally just today uh, Ryan Day finally named Kyle McCord as the week one starter. So it doesn't really seem like, the, you know, maybe that was a little bit of gamesmanship, but, I, you know, I think if he was playing games, he probably wouldn't have named anybody and just trotted out who he trotted out at game time. Um, that kind of tells me that, you know, neither uh, he or Nate Johnson separated themselves. And when he uh, actually, when he said McCord would be the starter, he said, Nate Johnson is going to play. So, uh, you know, we'll see. And then in the West, uh, who you like? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Wisconsin. It's uh, once again, it's kind of the weak sister division, but um, I'm really curious to see what kind of a uh, job that uh, Luke Fickle can do and his first season there and you know they're kind of they got away from their dna a bit offensively they brought in uh 
Tanner Mordecai from SMU, and they hired Phil Longo from North Carolina as the offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, so, Maryland got to see uh, Mordecai last year. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah. And uh, he's he's pretty good. And so I think, uh, you know, that's they're getting away from the old ground and pound, but they do still have the uh, the offensive linemen. They got Braylon Allen in the backfield. Um, you know, once again, the, the Big Ten West is just uh, – it's it's clearly the weaker division. Um, I like Wisconsin. It's the last year in the Big 12 for Texas and Oklahoma. And you have BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF all joining the conference. TCU coming off a year where they reached a national championship. Uh, how do you see things working out in the Big 12? Uh, to me, this is a wide open conference, just like it has been the past couple years. You know, interesting little fact, each of the previous two years, the Big 12 conference champion had at least two conference losses. Um yeah, that's kind of crazy and just tells you how wide open it is. I know, um, you know, all the observers and experts out there are going with Texas. Uh, you know, some people even have them maybe as a playoff dark course. I think they're pretty good. I certainly think they can win the conference. Um, you know, I, 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 I like, uh, you know, the, the makeup of the team there. Um, but I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than that. And, uh, you know, I think it could be anybody from, you know, Oklahoma, Texas Tech is a dark horse team uh, that a lot of people I know like. And uh, they're saying watch out for Texas Tech. Um, TCU, I think they're still going to be a factor, even though they've uh, lost some key pieces. And my team to kind of keep an eye on, uh, actually, in, uh, you know, I, I left out Kansas State. Um, you know, a lot of people think, uh, you know, they're, they're still pretty strong, even uh, without Deuce Vaughn. And my team to keep an eye on, though, is Baylor. Um, I, I, I kind of like uh, Dave Aranda, and I know, uh, you know, they had some losses that they uh, took last year, and so they slipped a little bit from their 11-2 and season. Um, you know, back in uh, uh, 2021, I think they, they're they going to bounce back, and I think they're going to be a factor in the Big 12 this year. But once again, uh, like it has been the past few years, it's pretty wide open. The uh, Pac-12 seems likely to fade in the memory, but this last year has the conference with a number of interesting squads. you got five teams in the AP top 18, and you've got three in your personal top 12 and then you've got Dion year one at Colorado. So thoughts on the Pac-12? Uh, just like the Big 12, it's a very uh, wide open uh, conference, I think, this year. And, um, you know, it's a, a little bit bittersweet, you know, being out here in Oregon in Pac-12 country. Uh, this looks like it's going to be the last go around for that conference. And so, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of angst uh, out here about that. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into that, I'm sure. But, um, you know, as far as who I like, man, you know, uh, USC, we already got a little preview of them against San Diego State, or I'm sorry, San Jose State. And, um, you know, Caleb Williams looks like Caleb Williams. The offensive line, eh, you know, they um, – Personnel-wise, I think they're pretty solid, but they got some new additions in there, and I think that showed. I don't think the continuity was there yet uh, as far as the protection that they need to have for Caleb. 
Um, it seemed like, uh, you know, San Jose State got to him a little too much. Uh, Zachariah Branch, the five-star freshman, what can you say about him? Uh, you know, if you saw the highlights, uh, he looks like he's going to be something special. The defense, man, uh, that defense is still a big question mark. Um, you know, they – they look like they improved personnel-wise over the offseason, um, but if you look at that San Jose State game, uh, you know, I'm going to need to see some receipts before I'm sold on their defense and them being able to win the conference. So, you know, let's look at the rest of the field. you got uh, Utah, the defending champions, two-time defending champions. Big question mark is, uh, you know, the health of Cam Rising. Um They've been playing that pretty coy as to whether or not he's going to be able to go coming off that torn ACL uh, in the Rose Bowl, if he's going to be good to go this Thursday night against Florida. Um, but, you know, I think as long as he can get back healthy, uh, Utah has got to be a factor. I think they got the best defense among the contenders in that conference. Uh, their offensive line is solid. Uh, you know, they just play a real good brand of physical football and that's why you know they they've been the two-time conference champions uh they just seem to get stronger as the season rolls on because they tend to take a couple of tough losses usually non-conference losses early in the season and then just hit their stride um oregon uh you know i think they're going to be a factor bo nix uh he's a lot of people's favorite uh heisman candidate uh at least as far as a finalist um you know, I think uh, a lot of people worry about their offensive line. Again, like USC, I think they brought in some good reinforcements. We're just going to have to see, uh, you know, if they have that continuity uh, that they had last season. Last season, just a very experienced unit. They were terrific. Again, Oregon, the question is going to be on the defense. The personnel improved. Um, but again, uh, you know, going to have to see the receipts on that before I'm ready to buy. Oregon State, uh, DJ Uyunglele is the new starter out there. He's getting a second life after uh, kind of an up and down time at Clemson. Um, you know, a lot of people think they're the uh, dark horse for conference championship. Um I could actually see the Beavers have a couple of tough matchups, but they uh, get a get a couple of them at home. They get Utah at home on a Friday night, and uh, those Friday night games tend to uh, benefit the home team. You know, when you got to travel on a short week, it's a little tough for the road team. Uh, the second to last game of the season, they get Washington at home, and if uh, you know the Beavers can win those two games and take care of the rest of their business, all of a sudden they're headed down to Eugene, eleven and zero. Um, we'll see. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but uh, you know, I think Oregon State they're going to be one to be reckoned with, and of course can't leave out Washington. Uh, Michael Penix Jr.'s back. He led the NCAA in passing yardage last season. Um, he's got both of his uh, receivers back in McMillan and Ndunze. Um, Their defense, uh, you know, they do a good job getting after the quarterback. And uh, I think they need to do a little bit better in the run uh, containment. But uh, Washington, you know, they're certainly going to be there. They're going to be a factor. And don't sleep on UCLA. Uh, you know, a lot of people kind of uh, dropped them down because they lost Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, 
They do have Chase Garbers that they got off the transfer portal. Sounds like he's going to be the starter this season for Chip Kelly, at least at the beginning of the season. But you got um, you got uh, Dante Moore, the five-star freshman out of Michigan. Um, you know he could be uh, right there behind him if uh, if things don't go well. Um, you never know. Chip might have a quick hook there. Uh, but as far as the rest of the team go, I think the, they've done a great job of fortifying the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And so I wouldn't sleep on UCLA either. And then I think you got a pretty big drop off. Washington State is maybe good, not that good, and probably a bigger drop off in the rest of the conference. As far as Dion and Colorado, my God, I don't know what to make of that team. Um, I think they have somewhere on order of 10 scholarship players uh, that are back from last season. You know, a lot of people like to talk about, well, they were they were one in 11 team last season, how much they can improve. I just don't know how much stock you can put in that because none of those players, none of the coaches are, are back. Um, but at the same time, you know, how much talent is there really to be mined at the transfer portal? Uh, I'm not convinced. I, I know they've got some, I think offensively, they'll be fun to watch. I think uh, defensively, they're going to struggle. Um, they're not deep at the line of scrimmage. Um, I'm not expecting big things out of them. So I think if they if they win four or five games, that's a really good season for them. Uh, yeah, especially I would, when you I would expect them schedule. to really, really struggle at the start of the year. As they, yeah, uh, especially when you look easy. at their schedule, you know, they, they open at TCU. Um, that's almost certainly going to be a loss. Then they get Nebraska. Um, they get Colorado State. That's a very winnable game, I think. And then you just get right into the meat of the Pac-12 schedule. And, you know, they catch just about everybody this year. Oregon State, Oregon. I, I think they miss Washington, but they get Utah, USC, UCLA. They uh, gel in it and get some cohesion at the end of the year. Maybe they're capable of uh, pulling off an upset or two. But starting the maybe, year with, with that yeah. much with a turnover feels if, like a – a lot if they're going to if they're going to pull off a win, they're going to, you know, need the likes of, you know, Cal, Stanford, maybe one of the <laughs> Arizona schools. Um, yeah, it's uh, I think the over under on wins on win total for them this season was three. I'd put that about right. I think if they win four or five, they've probably had a terrific season, to be honest with you. But you know what? Uh, they they they're on the map, <laughs> you know, the. Win or lose, they just, for at least a little while, they became relevant again. And that's uh, something you haven't been able to say about Colorado for a long, long time. We started with the SEC uh, East. Let's uh, jump back to the SEC, talk a little bit about the West. Uh, probably plenty of time during this year that I suspect we'll be talking about Alabama and LSU. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the division. Who interests you? And uh, maybe particularly tell me about uh, A&M this year. Well, you know, it's funny um, – we were talking about the Big Ten West and just, uh, you know, how, how that division tends to be so weak. And, you know, the SEC West is just the complete opposite. And you just go down that division, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, uh, Arkansas. You know what? I, I bet if you put any one of those teams in the Big Ten West, they would probably be, if not the favorite, you know, probably top two. Um, it's just a tough division to have to play in. Um, you know, I, to me, the team to watch is Texas A&M. Um, just because of the talent, uh, you know, they 
they've obviously gotten a lot of uh, accolades recently for how well they've done recruiting. Um, you know, they've opened up the NIL bank vault and, uh, you know, seemingly were just getting whoever they wanted um, in the 2022 class and did t- pretty t- well in the 2023 class. Uh, Jimbo Fisher was never big on transfers, but he brought in 10 of them uh, this past off season. So, you know, he's starting to use the portal now too. And of course, the, the, the one thing that everybody wants to talk about with the Aggies uh, is, you know, how bad their offense was last year. Uh, you know, there were, unnamed sources from uh, opponents who were saying it was predictable, unimaginative. And so in comes Bobby Petrino. Um, and that was kind of interesting. Of course, you know, you, you get uh, personalities like, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino, and you just wonder how that's going to work to begin with. Uh, you know, that's almost like the time uh, um, Nick Saban hired Lane Kiffin uh, as his offensive coordinator, but, you know, what you can't deny is uh, Bobby Petrino is a terrific offensive mind, really good play caller. They were a little bit coy about how uh, that was going to work. Was Petrino actually going to call the plays? Because Jimbo Fisher clearly loves being in charge of the offense, loves calling the plays. Um, and I think he got a lot of pushback behind the scenes uh, from, you know, the administration from boosters that, Hey, you need to let this go and be a little bit more CEO and uh, kind of let go of the offense a bit. So uh, Petrino will in fact be calling the plays. They did eventually reveal that. Um, So you got Connor Weigman, uh, you know, he started at freshman quarterback last year. He's coming back this season. They got a lot of guys returning. Uh, Devin A. Chain is back. I'm sorry, Devin A. Chain's not back, but Anaya Smith is. And We lost Mike there for a second, but he's back. And just to wrap up the thoughts on AM there, Mike. Yeah, I think uh, AM is an interesting team to watch. I don't think they're going to win that division, uh, but they could pull off a couple of upsets here and there and uh, maybe be a 10 win team. Another team to watch, and you know, I just mentioned it um, Mississippi State. And you, know, you just kind of wonder uh, where they are, you know, after the, you know, the, the sudden passing of Mike Leach. And um, but man, they return a lot of guys on that team, including Will Rogers. He's back for gosh, seemingly his fifth or sixth season. Um, yeah, I'd just be interested to see how they do. And um, you know, the SEC West, it's tough as always. That's all you can say. We've alluded to some of the realignment the game is seeing. More is coming. What's the uh, latest there? Uh, the latest is uh, we kind of uh, we thought we might get an answer uh, yesterday, Monday, on what would happen in the Pac-12 to what's left of it, the four teams left. Um, we're kind of in a holding pattern. Stanford and Cal are uh, trying to get into the ACC along with SMU. Um, don't ask me why two teams that play in the Bay Area want to be part of the something called the Atlantic Coast Conference, but they do. Uh, uh, yeah, this uh, makes no sense at all. 
Um, but I'll, I'll get off my soapbox and uh, just stick to where we are, which is the ACC presidents were actually supposed to meet um, via Zoom yesterday and discuss it and potentially even vote on whether to uh, let those uh, three schools in. And um, sadly, the, um, the on-campus shooting at uh, North Carolina uh, yesterday ended up indefinitely postponing that meeting. Um, the word I read today is uh, that what the ACC needs is a vote, a yes vote from 12 of their 15 members. And they had uh, just 11 yeses. And so they need to sway somebody. And the word I heard today is they still haven't been able to sway that 12th member yet. The holdouts are Florida State, Clemson, uh, North Carolina and North Carolina State, you know, Florida State and Clemson, you kind of expect because I think they love to get out of there anyway and uh, go somewhere where they can find greater riches. Um, I don't know the yeah, way it the, works the four teams that, that, that object to the four teams that seem most likely to bolt from the ACC. Yeah. Uh, Stanford and Cal, great prestigious schools making sense in the ACC by themselves just doesn't I, I don't see what the end game is I mean it's just doesn't uh, work. I mean, you know they're, they're they're two interesting schools Stanford and Cal because they they don't necessarily think at least you know at the highest levels of the school like a lot like so many others do um they're not, they're not that great in the revenue sports, but they have absolutely fantastic uh, overall athletic programs. They dominate in Olympic sports, Stanford especially. Yeah. And uh, it's a source of pride, uh, you know, for the schools, for the alumni. And, you know, I almost think they're choosing the ACC is as much about trying to find a good home for these Olympic sports as it is for any, you know, for football and basketball. Um, even though that's going to mean a ton of cross-country travel for you know, the tennis team, the golf team, whatever, volleyball. Um, you know, it just sounds – it all sounds so absurd. And and because, you know, Stanford and Cal don't know what they're doing, that's kind of put Oregon State and Washington State in a holding pattern because I think they want to try to sort of resuscitate the Pac-12 from the dead and add some teams and just kind of – reconstituted it it wouldn't look like anything we know as the pac-12 but it would still exist um but without yeah, the, the best out, best of the the best of the whack yeah Mount they, they west would, yeah they would probably cherry pick uh you know some aac teams and you know mountain west teams is what they would probably look to do whether they have the money to to entice them. I don't know, uh, you know, how that's going to work out if it even would, but I, I can tell you that if Stanford and Cal uh, go to the ACC, I, I don't see how that works at all for Oregon state and Washington state going it alone. Um, you know, there was uh, there was a report, I think last week or the week before the night commission, um, you know, who, they're not a governing body in the NCAA. They're more of an advisory committee. But, I mean, they just came out and blatantly said what everybody thinks, which is you all need to just separate college football from the rest of college sports. Let it be its own entity. You know, align yourselves how you feel you need to align yourselves and let all these other sports, you know, let's go back to the regional conferences 
that makes sense, that make it easy for travel, that make it easy on these athletes uh, so they're not having to cross two and three time zones, to, you know, two or three different times a week, uh, you know, so they can play games. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But you know what? I haven't heard any answers from anybody yet as to how they're going to do this. So unless somebody, uh, you know, they're in a laboratory in Stanford has invented, uh, you know, figured out how to do Star Trek teleportation. I don't know how they're going to pull this off. It's just going to be a mess. And so, yeah. you know, my I, answer I, box is thinking that eventually it's the SEC and Big Ten at twenty-four each with kind of regional divisions. But yeah, I, it, yeah. if if you have Cal and uh, Stanford, you make make this jump. Maybe that doesn't wind up uh, happening because you start looking at. Uh, the other potential options. And that's the ACC's <laughs> kind of thinking here as to why they might add them is, you know, there's kind of strength in numbers here. And so they don't want to end up like the Pac-12 where if, uh, you know, teams like, you know, Florida State, Clemson, maybe North Carolina start bolting that when they look around, there's just nothing of value left there. And so I think they're just viewing this as much as a preemptive move as it is about money, because when it comes to the money, um, this the current 12 or I'm sorry, 15 schools would only end up getting about another three to $4 million each. That's certainly not going to make Florida state and Clemson happy. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference on everybody else's bottom line. I think they just want you know, the strength in numbers. The stability is what is what this play is. Yeah, um, it's pretty logical. You know, I, I, as much as I, um, I don't necessarily want to see college football turn into a light version of the NFL. I do think that the only, the one common sense way to do this, and I don't know how you structure it, but you really got to push college football out away from the rest of college sports, go back to the, to the geographic division or geographic conferences that make sense for everything else. College football, the travel isn't as big a deal if you have to go across country because you only play one game a week and you got so many people going, you know, they always charter flights. So it's not like you're having to make connections in Atlanta or Chicago and you get delayed by weather or whatever, you know, you just you fly straight to the city, you play your game, you go home. And so it's the travel is a little easier on football. Um, you know, it's just a question of uh, how many people are going to end up getting disenfranchised. By people, I mean, you know, fan bases of certain teams that just aren't the big brand names. Um, and, you know, out here, everybody's thinking about, you know, what happens to Oregon State, Washington State. Um you know, whatever happens to them, they're going to be, they're going to lose a lot of money um, from what they were getting in the Pac-12. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, what is that going to do to their athletic department? Are they going to have to cut sports to make ends meet? Um, you know, chances are, I mean, players, you know, players are going to leave, football players are going to leave in the transfer portal anyway, no matter where you're playing. That's just a fact of life now. What happens if they lose their coaching staff? Um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're not coaching at the level they thought they were. Um, and, you know, gosh, I, you know, I look at the job Jonathan Smith has done, and he's an Oregon State alum. 
so obviously the place is kind of special for him, but you know, he, he won seven games in 21, uh, 10 games last year. If he wins 10 games uh, again this year, you know, the Sharks are going to be circling Corvallis, uh, you know, trying to get him to a bigger school, throwing out money that, you know, all of a sudden now Oregon State's not going to have that money to, you know, try to keep him. Yeah, lots of talk on the realignment. There's just uh, so much, uh, so many different issues there. Yeah, and yeah, we, we can keep on top of that as the season goes on because I think that's just going to be a constantly unfolding story. Uh, let's end quick picks four games this uh, week. Uh, just kind of who you like, Florida, Utah, Thursday night. Yeah, so um, the line on this one, uh, Florida is getting six and a half points, and. Uh, I like the Gators. I like the Gators with the points. Um, I think Utah will probably pull it out, but I think it's going to be closer than six and a half. Uh, Saturday, you got Boise State at Washington. Yeah, this is a sneaky game. Uh, I was surprised when I saw the line on this one. Uh, Boise State's getting 14 and a half. That's a lot for me. So once again, uh, I'm going with the uh, underdog on the road to cover. I still I do think Washington wins, but uh, man, I, I wouldn't be able to lay off Boise State getting 14 and a half in this game. Uh, I think the Broncos are going to be a pretty good team this year. They might even uh, snatch the New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, got a game of uh, two schools. Maryland hates uh, West Virginia at Penn State uh, Saturday. So I'm going <laughs> to we're going with a common theme here. Um, West Virginia is getting 20 and a half points. Uh, Penn State's going to win this game easily. Clearly the more talented team. Uh, but, you know, uh, something in my gut tells me that um, – the Mountaineers will probably keep it a little closer than that. Uh, so I think Penn State wins comfortably, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, West Virginia gets a late score and uh, sneaks in a cover. Yeah, if uh, Penn State covers that game, that would be – 20 and a half is, uh, I mean, again, don't get me wrong. Penn State is uh, a top 10 team. Clearly, uh, they deserve that ranking. Uh, West Virginia, they they could go either way, but I think they're going to come out fired up in the opener. Uh, this is right. an old rivalry game that hasn't been played in, I think, since 1991. They used to play every single year back in the day when they were both independents and then uh, – when Penn State went to the Big Ten, that kind of that was one of the old Eastern rivalries that fell by the wayside. Uh, I just I, I just think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. Just a yeah, little bit. I picked the Mountaineers have enough pride in the program to be a step up there for the opener and hopefully cover twenty. We'll see. Uh, we will see. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, you got LSU at uh, well versus Florida State in Orlando. Depending on the weather, we'll see what happens there. But if the game is played Sunday, what do you, what do you see there? Yeah, so I don't see uh, – I, I haven't been following too closely. I don't think the hurricane is going to impact uh, the actual game. Uh, sounds like it's going to be sweeping through there tomorrow. Um, I'm just, uh, when I, yeah, I was thinking hurricane just as far as Florida state's preparation, we'll see how that goes. I know, uh, I heard Florida is actually leaving a day early to go out to Utah. Um, so they could be, that could, uh, kind of impact their routine too. We'll see. Um, and this is a, this was a tough one to pick. This is easily the game of the week. Uh, two legitimate top 10 teams, uh, two legitimate playoff contenders, 
I'm leaning LSU here, and the Tigers are even uh, giving two and a half points. And um, I, I, I think the Tigers cover that. Um, I, I just think uh, I think they're just a little bit better. It's a neutral site. They're playing in Orlando, so it might be a little bit more pro Florida State crowd, but I don't think it's going to make a difference. Uh, I'm taking LSU here. Great stuff, as always, from uh, Mike. Check out his work at the site, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, and on the message board as well. We'll be back next week to discuss uh, those four pack of games and look ahead to the the following week. Uh, So thanks uh, for Mike, and uh, thanks for joining us here on uh, Sports Tonight. Take care. Till next week.